0: Merry Christmas, everyone. Anybody glad to be here tonight? Thankful you're not at the mall. Hallelujah. No more traffic or lines. Amen. It's good to see all of you here. You know, we've had an incredible week here at Higher Vision Church. In fact, last week, um, how many got a chance to come and see Marvelous, our Christmas production? Woo, I'm telling you, it was amazing. You know, last weekend, between all the productions and services, we had about 5,800 people on campus last week at Higher Vision Church, and did you know that we had over 450 people make decisions for Jesus Christ? Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Isn't that awesome? Woo. So, so exciting to see all the new people coming, people making decisions for Christ. So thank you, all of you that worked so hard and volunteered hundreds and hundreds of hours Over the last several months, thank you. We really do appreciate it. And also, I just want to say tonight, thank you to all the team after a long week that worked hard to get all our candles set up, build our our stage props and all of that. Can we give a hand to all our volunteers that came in on Christmas Eve to work? This is our fourth service today, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, four thirty and six o'clock. This is the fourth sermon. Amen. The fourth time's the charm. We're going to wrap it up. This will be the last one. We're excited. I also want to tell you that uh, tomorrow we will not be having our normal Sunday services here on campus, but instead at 11 o'clock, if you go to highervision.church, click on the live stream, we're going to have a special broadcast from my home to yours. It's going to be a half an hour. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to share some things. My family will be there in our home sharing Christmas with your family. So will you join us tomorrow at 11 o'clock? We're going to do that. And then we're going to rebroadcast that at 4 o'clock just in case you have, you know, things going on with your family and you can't participate. So that's tomorrow. We won't be here. We'll be in our homes. You can have your coffee, your pajamas, your, um, you know, biscuits and gravy, and you can enjoy. (laughs) You can enjoy. How many of you have biscuits and gravy on Christmas morning? Anybody? Come on. I had some people tell me. All right. Hey, Amen. We do that. Biscuits. Huh? Cinnamon. How many do cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning? OK. All right. What? French toast. How many do French toast? How many of you are fasting because you're spiritual on Christmas? Just checking. See one other thing. And that is. That next weekend, I know it's New Year's Eve and it's New Year's Day, it's Saturday and Sunday, but we're having church. We're going to have our Saturday night Christmas Eve, um, New Year's Eve service. And uh, so come and join us for that. And then on Sunday morning, we're still going to have our 850. And that's for all of you that watch the ball drop on New York time. So you can go to bed at nine o'clock. We still have that 850 service for you. And then we have a 1005 and 1140. So if you stay up late, you can come to a later service. But we'll be having all of our services next week. How many think going to church is a way to start the new year, right? Amen. Amen. Man, I'm excited. This is the last one. It's been a great day. And today we get to talk about the gift. And I am thankful for the gift of Christ at Christmas. Today I've entitled the message, What is My Gift? I want to talk to you a little bit about about part of the story, and it's a part of the story that many times um, we focus on a different approach, and I want to take it from a different angle this Christmas Eve. But I thought I would start with something a little bit funny. I heard about this man who lived in Salt Lake City, and he decided that he was going to send 600 Christmas cards to people he didn't know. So he got the, um, you know, the telephone books out for several cities, got addresses, and he, he sent 600 Christmas cards to 600 people he didn't know and addressed his return address on the card. Well, interestingly enough, he got 117 cards back. And this is one of those cards. He actually got a note from one lady and she said, it was so good to hear from you. Your card arrived the day I got home from the hospital, and I can't tell you what an encouragement it was to hear from an old friend. And then this other person wrote him, and here's what they wrote. I have to admit that when we received your card, we couldn't really picture you. We had to think hard for a long time before we remembered. By the way, please give our regards to your father. He is such a wonderful man. And this is my favorite of all. And this is what someone wrote back to the guy they didn't know. It was so good to hear from you after all these years. By the way, we're going to be in Salt Lake City next summer. Would it be all right if we came by and spent a few days with you? How many know we need to be careful who we send our Christmas cards to? That's a true story, by the way. It's kind of crazy, huh? How many of you got a Christmas card from the Mings this year? Did anybody get a Christmas card? All right. If you didn't... Maybe we don't have the correct address or something, so make sure you put that uh, connection card. Fill out your information. Say, I didn't get a Christmas card. We want to get you on our mailing list so you receive those. Um, today, I'm excited to share with you about the gift. And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that talk about one of the characters, one of the people in the story of Christmas, isn't just Mary or Joseph, but it's the wise men. And they came because they had a gift to bring to the gift that came from heaven. So today I'd like for you to stand one more time, if you will. We're going to honor the reading of God's word. Those of you joining us online, you can do the same. You can stand. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. And I'm going to share a message with you that's going to be a little different than most Christmas Eve messages you'll hear. But the Lord really stirred my heart with a, a different theme, a different idea. And I want to share it with you. Let's read together. You ready? Here we go. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want you to close your eyes. God, I'm so, so humbled and thankful to be able to celebrate Christmas with so many wonderful people. God, they're here because they love you and they're thankful. Today, I pray that you would maybe stoke a little fire in our hearts, you'd stretch us a little bit and challenge us and let this message, let it speak to us this Christmas. Anoint our hearts to receive your truth. Anoint every word that's spoken. We are thankful today. In Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. What I want to do today is I want to take the story of the wise men. And when we speak about the wise men, I think they're a beautiful metaphor of not just of man, but of women. Really of all humanity. Because they came to the manger and they offered some things to Christ. We know that Jesus is the gift that came from above, that we received a gift at Christmas. But it's interesting because in this story, we find that. Wise men bring gifts. They offer something to the manger. And so I want to give you two points today. And I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. Point number one, what is my gift? Well, first of all, we need to understand that wise men offer their worship. Will everyone say that with me today? Wise men offer their worship. If you go back to our story in Matthew chapter 2, 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and what? They worshipped. I find that interesting because so many times at Christmas, so many times when it comes to Jesus, our first mentality is I need to go to the manger, I need to go to Jesus because I need something. And if you look at these wise men who traveled so far, some historians believe that they traveled for two years to finally get to Bethlehem. Two years. And when they came, they didn't come with an agenda. They didn't come with, I got to get a selfie with Jesus so that I can post it on Instagram. They didn't come with their one or their desire. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's so easy for us as Christians or followers of Christ that we show up every week and our mentality is that, well, I got to go and get something. I need, you know, a healing. I need some peace. I need a miracle. I need God to change this situation. And let me stop and say, that's okay. Because Jesus, when he became a man and he was in ministry, he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and who are burdened and carrying you know, heavy burdens. Come to me and I'll give you rest. So it's totally appropriate. It's totally a good thing for us to go to God with our needs. But could it be that just on one day of the year, maybe our approach needs to be different. Maybe rather than coming to the manger with our our agenda and saying, God, I need that job. God, I need that raise. Instead, maybe what God is trying to teach us through these men is that we're to come to the manger instead of saying, this is about me, saying, God, this is all about you. Jesus, I just want to come and I want to kneel. I don't want to ask for something. I simply want to say you're worthy of all honor. You're worthy of all glory. You're worthy of all praise. Maybe our message should be that song. I worship you, almighty God, because there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. I give you praise. For you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. Because there is none like You wise men don't have an agenda. Aren't there just about what they can get? But Wise men offer their worship. Somebody say amen. I know it's a little different than what we normally talk about at Christmas, but I think we need to understand that there's more to the story. Second point that I want to make is simply this, and that is wise men offer their best. Will you say that with me? Wise men offer their best. If we read in the scripture, Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 says they entered the house, saw the child with his mother Mary. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of what is it? Gold. What's the next one? Frankincense and myrrh. Interesting. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the wise men or the magi that came from the east. These kings. Let's talk about them for a minute because... Who were they? Well, these were men who were studied. They were learned. They studied science. They read literature. They were um, studiers of astronomy. And they had discovered that there was to be this prophecy that a light or a star would shine brightly. And it would pronounce the coming of a, a great king that would be born in this region. And so they discovered this. And they decided to travel this great distance at great cost and great time. And, and all of their resources to see. And many times... When we think of these wise men, we think of the three kings, right? Probably because of the song, um, you know, that we've heard sung. How many have heard the song? We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar. How many have heard this song? Field and fountain, moor and mountain following yonder star. Oh, come on. Heard this song, all right. Star of wonder, star of night. Anybody am I the only one? Somebody like I don't know the words to that. Neither do I, that's so why I'm reading my phone name. But I gotta be honest with you, they don't know if there were three kings or not. There could have been four, there could have been five. The reason they think there were three is because there were three gifts. Gold, Frank, Sense, and Myrrh. Now, when I was young, I didn't know the words to that song. I knew the words to another song that probably isn't the best to use in church, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And it's a song I sang when I was little. It went like this. We three kings of Orient are, tried to smoke a loaded cigar, boom. Anybody ever heard that? Then you would sing, We two kings of Orient are, tried to smoke a loaded cigar, boom. And then you'd sing this one king of Ori and R tried to smoke a loaded cigar. Boom. Silent night. <laughs> Serious. As I was little, I used to sing that song. You can pray for me now. You can pray for me later. I well, know it's probably not the best song to sing in church. The Magi, these kings, we don't know how many of them there were. But here's what we do know that. You know there there was something to the gifts that they brought. They brought their best. It was appropriate for you to give the gift of gold, frankincense and myrrh to a king. That was appropriate. How many how many of you have ever had to buy a gift for someone that seemed to have everything? I mean, you know, that's tough, right? Like, where am I going to buy them? I mean, they have everything. I mean, I can't get them clothes because they have all kinds of clothes. But I mean, what am I going to get them? And so what you do if you're going to buy something for someone who has everything is you have to really think about the gift, right? Because if you think about the gift, you you start going, well, if I put enough thought into this and I find something that really matters to them, it may not be a lot of money, but because I've thought the gift out and because it's important and it matters, it'll be a gift that they appreciate. So maybe you find out, you know, they're Detroit Lions fan. And you're like, you know, I know how I could buy a gift for someone. I could buy him a jersey for the Detroit Lions, right? A Matt Stafford jersey. And you buy him a Matt Stafford jersey. And it's, it's valuable. Why? Because the gift has been thought out. There's meaning to the gift. I'm not trying to get a gift from the Detroit Lions, just so you know. Just so you know. The point is, is that a, a good gift has good meaning. And sometimes when we read that the wise men came and they brought their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, we don't realize how significant these gifts were and what they actually meant. And a moment ago, I gave you these points. One is that we offer our worship. Wise men offer worship. The second thing I told you is that wise men offer their best. So what I want to do tonight, if you'll let me, is I want to take just a couple minutes and I want to talk about these gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And I want to help us to understand, because I don't even know if the wise men even knew to the level of the significance of the gifts they gave to the Christ child at the manger. So you ready to go on a ride? Okay, so let's find out a little bit about the gift. The first thing they did is they came and they brought gold. Everybody say gold. Gold. Now, here's what's amazing about these gifts. These gifts weren't just something that were meaningful for them to give. But these gifts represented the person that was receiving the gift. I'll explain. So gold was something in that day that represented deity or something that was divine. In fact, those who didn't even worship Yahweh, they would make statues or idols of gold and they would worship them. Even in scripture, we know that when God created the tabernacle and they had the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the holy place where the presence of God resided. He said that it was to be layered with gold because gold represented deity or the divine. Isn't it interesting that what was given to Jesus was the very thing that he was because he wasn't just a baby. He was the son of almighty God. The gift represented The divine, because it wasn't just to any child, it was to the child of God. So the the gold had meaning, but but there's more to that than just the fact that it represented that another interesting thing about gold is how many of you have been, you know, sitting for hours watching movies on Hallmark and you're, um, you know, in the middle of the movie and you stop to watch a commercial. And as soon as the commercial comes on, what do you hear? You hear this gentleman get up and he starts talking about, well, you know, the economy can be up and down. And what do you have your investments in? But let me tell you, if you want to secure your future, you need to buy gold. I mean, I've heard those commercials. Why do they do that? Here's why. Because they say gold is different than the dollar because the dollar can have greater value or less value. In fact, there could be a day that the. Dollar is just a piece of paper and have no value. But if you have gold, it holds its value. It may adjust a little bit here or just a little bit there, but it has value that doesn't change. Isn't it beautiful to know that the gift not only was something given to Christ, but it represented Christ. And can I tell you that Christ is a gift that will always be valuable? He was valuable yesterday. He'll be valuable today and he'll be valuable tomorrow. Amen. That was good preaching, Pastor Jared. Good point. That's good. It's nice. But you see, not only does gold speak of that to which it's given, but it speaks to those who've given it. Because here's what I think gold can represent. I think gold represents treasure. Makes sense, right? It says they opened their treasure chest and they gave gold. I want to give you an example of how it represents treasure. This might be something you never thought of, but, you know, Joseph and Mary were not wealthy people. In fact, they were very poor. Didn't have much. And yet, we know according to Scripture that Herod wanted to kill Jesus, this child. And according to the Proverbs and the Scriptures in the Old Testament, that the child... Trying to be killed by the the king would be taken out of Nazareth to Egypt and live in Egypt until Herod dies. So then he would come out of Egypt to fulfill the prophecy that my, you know, my Messiah will come out of Egypt, that he would leave Egypt, come back after Herod was dead so that he would be safe to continue his ministry. So now that means that Joseph and Mary had to leave their family, leave their home, leave their company, leave their financial um, stability of what little bit they had to go to a place where they had no money, had no job, had nothing, and had to be there for 11 years to raise a child with nothing. How do you think they did that? Because God said, I'm going to give you treasure. Do you realize that it was the wise men's treasure their wealth that created the capability to fund the purpose of God on earth. All of those years, wise men gave their best. And because they gave of their treasure, God took what they gave and he used it to fulfill his purpose on earth. Here's a question for you. What have you placed at the manger from your treasure that God can use to fulfill His purpose on earth? Unfortunately, too many times, Jesus is the one who's left out. Everybody else gets a present at Christmas, right? we got so many people to buy for. we got to buy for the family and we got to buy for kids. And then we got to buy for all the extended family. And then we've got all those Christmas parties from all those offices and friends and, and all. we got to do that. And then pretty soon before you know it, we've spent all of our resources buying something for everyone else. And then in the end, we don't have anything that we've placed at the manger. And if we don't have anything that we placed at the manger, then we haven't put anything in God's hands that he can use. Used to fulfill his purpose here on earth, I don't think, the, I don't think the, the shepherds, I'm sorry, I don't think the wise men even had a clue of how God was going to take what they had and what they gave to use it for the purpose of eternity. And I want to encourage you this Christmas don't be the person who shows up saying, I need something, and forget to leave something. In the hands of God that he can use. Because I'm going to tell you, whatever you invest in the kingdom will never lose its value. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. That's good. Good preaching, Pastor Jared. I I got two amens from myself on that one. That's pretty rare. So gold, I think, represents treasure. Gold represented who Jesus was. Treasure represents what we can give. Of our treasure. Second thing that they gave is frankincense. They that's an interesting word. If I say frankincense, Kind of sounds like Frankenstein. Frankincense is an interesting word. And they brought frankincense. Now, now, what is the significance of frankincense? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think it's significance was. Frankincense stands for, in my opinion, extravagance. What do you mean? Well, frankincense comes from a tree in the Middle East can also be found in northern um, Africa. And when they put a stint in the tree, a shiv in the tree, there's a, a gum resin that comes out. And when that resin comes out, they're able to collect it. And it's extremely potent. It's a fragrance that is very strong. And so what that fragrance then is used for is they will take it and they'll put it in bottles of perfume. Or they'll put it in bottles of cologne, right? Or if you're very wealthy and you have a party, they'll use it for incense. So for instance, at night where there's no electricity in those days, they would have all of these torches and the torches would also have incense burning so that there would not only be light, but a fragrance, this beautiful smell of frankincense. You see what both of those represented was tremendous extravagance. Most people who lived in that culture, they didn't have the resources to barely buy enough food for tomorrow. or They only had enough resources to maybe have one set of clothes, let alone to buy a bottle that had um, a bunch of fragrance in it so that they could dip their finger in every day and put it on themselves just so they'd smell nice until they eventually emptied out the bottle so that they could go buy another bottle and start emptying that bottle out, too. That's extravagance. Can I stop and say how beautiful is that picture When we look at Jesus, because Jesus was the most extravagant gift that was ever given. The very son of God, he had nothing of greater value to give, yet he gave the most valuable, extravagant thing that he had. He gave Jesus his only son to come into the world and to save this world from sin. Let's talk about frankincense for you and I, because. If you look at the scripture, here's what's interesting. Frankincense is mentioned 17 times in the Bible. And it was used as one of the four sweet scents that were put together to be the ceremonial incense used in the temple for sacrifice and worship. So they would take frankincense as the smell that went into the incense that was offered up when sacrifices were given and when prayers were offered. And they were told that it was to continually burn before the Lord. The incense was to never go out. It was to continually burn. It was on and on and on and on. So when I think of gold, I think of treasure. But when I think of frankincense, I think of time. Because we bring our treasure, but we also can bring our time. Because here's what's interesting. Is that this frankincense that continually was offered for sacrifice, guess what Jesus is described as in the book of Hebrew. The Bible says that Jesus is the perpetual sacrifice for sin for all men. On and on, time after time, moment after moment, Jesus is the continual fragrance offered up as a sacrifice. Not only that, Jesus is described as sitting next to the Father, right? And He's making intercession for the saints, offering His prayers continually. So it's almost as if the frankincense represents Jesus and how that Jesus is the continual fragrance of the offering and sacrifice and the continual prayer that's offered to help us succeed and fulfill the purpose and will of God in our lives frankincense the question is when it comes to your life have you brought your treasure and have you brought your time say god i'm going to give you something that's extravagant because my time is so important I mean, I've got, I've got to go to work. And when I get work, I get paid for my time. And when I'm not there, I've got to have time with family. And so that's important. And then I've got my hobbies. I've got to watch my football team. Or I've got to go do this. Or I've got to go do that. And, and maybe what God is saying this Christmas is rather than going to the manger with an agenda to say, What can I get? I need a little peace. I need a little help. I need a little strength. Instead, what God is saying, Hey, I want you to offer your best. And the best that you can offer is not only the treasure of the wealth that you've been given through a tithe or an offering or a financial gift. But I want you to take of the thing that's so valuable to you. Your time. Gold. Frankincense. Your treasure in your time. Y'all with me? Say amen. I know it's a little different Christmas message, but come on, hang in there. Let's go to the last one. Because the last one is myrrh. What is that? Well, myrrh was also a resin that was collected from a bush found in the Middle East. And this resin, when it was collected, it was created and made into oil for anointing. So, what's interesting is there are 22 references to myrrh in the Bible. And what's interesting is that myrrh, this anointing oil, was used to anoint every single piece of of furniture of every single part of the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness that was used to offer sacrifice and worship God. In other words, let me explain it this explain it this way. I sound like I was a Spanish there for Let me explain it for you. So every single thing in the tabernacle. The veil that was made, the curtain that was made, it was made for a specific purpose, right? It was created to hang between the Ark of the Covenant and the most holy place and then also the Holy of Holies, right? And it was there and created for a specific purpose. And the oil or the myrrh was put on it as uh, an anointing so that it was set apart so that what it was created for, it could be used in purpose for God. If it was the labor, the labor was created where they would wash the sacrifices. So it was made with a specific purpose to accomplish a specific thing. So the myrrh was put on it to anoint it, to set it apart so that it wasn't just used, but it was used for the purpose of God. So we say, where are you going with this, Pastor Jared? Well, let me start by saying every single one of us were created with a purpose. And we have gifts and those gifts are called talents. So we have gold, which is treasure. We have frankincense, which is time. And we have myrrh, which is our talents. What God is looking for at the manger is our treasure, our time and our talents. Because you have been created with gifts and with purposes and with abilities. And what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to touch. When you offer the myrrh, what you're saying is, God, now I want you to anoint me so that I'm not just making money to you know get a nice house. And I'm not just making money to provide for my kids. And I'm not just making enough to be able to get the new car when it comes out. But God, I want you to use what I have so that not only can I provide for my family, but I can use what I have to fulfill the purpose you created me for. God, I've come to give you my treasure. I've come to give you my time. And I've come to give you my talent. My gold, my frankincense, and my myrrh. Sermon title was What is My Gift? Now, I know what's going to happen right now. I know that most of us are going to begin to disqualify ourselves. We say, Well, Pastor Jerry, that's a good little message, but you don't understand. You don't know me. I'm not super talented. You're never going to see me on The Voice. If I do, Simon Cowell is going to be having a harsh conversation with me. I don't have a lot to offer. Or maybe your response is, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't make a lot of money. I don't have a lot to give. What can I really do? Well, you know, when I think of that, my mind goes back to a moment when Jesus was in the temple. And there was a woman who was a widow. And she walked up to the offering bag. And she put two little coins in. And God stopped time for a minute to teach us a lesson. And Jesus said to his disciples, hey, that woman gave more than everybody else. Because the others gave out of their extra. She gave out of her sacrifice. Out of her need. So many times we disqualify ourselves and say, well, I don't have anything to bring to the manger. I'm too busy. I don't have a lot of time to give. I don't have a lot of treasure. Let me stop and say, never underestimate the value of what God can do with what you place at the manger. God took gold and he provided for Joseph and Mary for 11 years and helped to launch Jesus' ministry. They brought myrrh. To anoint Jesus. And that myrrh was used. And Jesus was ushered into his calling. Even at 12 years of age, he went into the, the, the synagogue and he began to teach and read the scriptures from a young child. Because the myrrh sets us aside to use our gifts for the purpose God has called us to. And you know what's amazing about myrrh? Is that myrrh was also used right before Jesus went to the cross. The Bible says he was in a room and a woman came and broke the alabaster jar. And it was filled with myrrh and anointed his feet for burial. Do you realize that God was prophetically saying at his birth and even at his death, I'm anointing you to use whatever moment in history you're in, the gifts you've been given, whether it's to fulfill your purpose on earth or even to fulfill your purpose in death, to conquer death, hell, and the grave, to rise again and defeat the enemy. I have anointed you to take the talents you've been given so that you can fulfill the purpose I've called you to. So if the devil has jumped in your mind and said, you'll you'll never amount, you can't really do anything for God. You don't have a lot of gifts and talents. Well, let's talk about one more character in the story. Let's talk about the shepherds. Because the shepherds, they, they were the ones, right? The angels appeared and said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. And then they said, go into Bethlehem and see this thing. A child would be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and they did. They went into the city and when they heard the message, the Bible says that they went and they spread the message and they testified that the Savior had come, that the miracle had happened. Now, I find it interesting that God chose shepherds. Let me tell you why. Shepherds were considered the most devalued, irrelevant, unreliable, Of all in the society of the day. In fact, they were despised so much and devalued so much. That if there was a a court of law and and a shepherd saw someone steal a sheep. Or a shepherd saw someone hurt someone else. or A shepherd saw something. That if they went into the court and they testified. Their testimony wasn't accepted. Because a shepherd's testimony wasn't valid in a legal court. Now. That being said, let's think about it for a minute. If a shepherd was considered so unvaluable and unworthy that they couldn't even testify in a court of law, why did God choose shepherds as the one that he chose to testify to the coming of the Messiah? Could it be that he did it because you and I all have the propensity to feel like we're a shepherd? That all of us have those moments where we think, I, I can't bring anything to the manger. Oh, what is my little $10 offering? What is my $100 tithe really going to do? How's that going to make a difference? Or how can I come? I don't have a lot of time anyway. What can I really give? You know what? I don't have a lot of talent, Pastor Jared. I can't do a lot of things. What is that really going to mean? Let me stop and say, never underestimate what God can do with what you lay at the manger. Myrrh is there to tell us that he will take and anoint whatever you have. And it will never lose its value. In fact, God will take it and it will go exceedingly, abundantly above what you could ever ask or imagine. You see, when we read a moment ago, wise men bring their worship, offer their worship. And when we read wise men offer their best Here's my question to you this Christmas. Have you offered your best? Or has it got reversed this year and you've come to the manger to see what you could get? Maybe God is stirring the pot a little bit this Christmas. Maybe God is stirring and shaking our hearts to say, okay, guys, enough about you. Why don't you take a little moment to stop and say, God, it's not about me, but it's all about you. So I'm here to bring my gift. Inside your program, if you'll pull out this little card, would everyone do that? Pull out this little card. We're going to do something different at the end of our service today. You might say, Pastor Jerry, what are we going to do? Well,. Normally I have the ushers come and we pass the offering bags and give an opportunity for people to place their card if they accepted Christ in the bag. And our guests to put that in the bag it gives an opportunity for people that want to give. They can give and put it in the bag. But today we've given you this card that on the front says Christmas Eve, Higher Vision 2016. But on the back it says the gift. And the question I want to ask is what is the gift that you're going to bring to Jesus this year maybe for some of you as I pray in a moment God's going to stir your heart and you're going to say you know what I've gotten caught up in a lot of things and I need to bring some treasure I want to put something in God's hand to use to fulfill his purpose financially even if it's a sacrifice I'm not going to leave Jesus at the tree without a gift Maybe for you it's going to be, you know what, Pastor Jerry, this year I need to tell God that I'm going to come and offer something. Maybe it's my time. This year I'm going to commit to have some devotions in the morning. I've never been to someone to do that. But this year I'm going to take time every week, maybe every day, to read my Bible a little bit. Spend some time worshiping God. Or maybe it's I, I'm going to take my talents and my time and I'm going to I'm going to put on there. I'm going to serve. I'm going to get involved and do something. Uh, I'm going to worship this year like never before. Instead of coming into service with my hands like this, I'm going to actually close my eyes and I'm going to sing this song, even if it's a song I don't like. I'm going to maybe even raise my hand and I'm going to give worship instead of coming to get something this year. God, I want to make a commitment, at least in this season, that this is going to be about you. It's not going to be about me. I know you didn't expect this kind of a message on Christmas Eve. To be honest, I didn't expect to be preaching it. All I can say is that I began to study and began to pray, and God began to stir my heart to say, What are you going to bring? I got to tell you, I'm bringing my best in 2017. 2016 was a rough year. Felt like I was reeling, I was just trying to hang on. I was in the corner, just dodging the punches. But I'm coming out of the corner. This, year's, this year, I'm giving all I got. This year, He's getting my time. This year, He's getting my treasure on another level. This year, He's getting my, my gifts, my talents. God, I want to bring something to the manger. I want to offer something. I don't want to just be the one who's always trying to get. God, I want to do something that I can bring. Because I'm going to tell you, when you give it to the Lord, it never loses its value in the Spirit. It never loses its value when it comes to the purpose of God. So I want to pray a prayer and here's what we're going to do We're going to receive our tithes and offerings tonight and When we do instead of passing the bags as we worship, we're going to begin to worship and sing. Oh come all ye faithful And as we do if you have an offering I want to encourage you today or a tithe Just in the middle of worship. Just come up and lay it down here Maybe it's your card and you've written, I want to give some time to God or I'm going to start devotions or I'm going to pray with someone. I'm going to join a circle and get connected. Whatever it is this year that you're saying, I want, to, I want to give something. I want you to come and I want you to lay it at the manger. Maybe it's that connection card that you filled out and you got saved. You accepted Christ for the first time or you recommitted yourself. Maybe you need to bring that card and just lay it up here and say, okay, I'm God, I'm going, to, I'm going to lay my life before you. I offer you myself this year. Whatever it is. This year, I'm going to reverse it. Rather than taking something away, let's put something in the hands of the Lord. We're going to sing this song in worship. Now let me say, if you're new and you feel uncomfortable and this is different for you, we understand and that's okay. We'll have the ushers in the back and you can put your guest card in there or an offering or or the card if you want or in the boxes in the lobby. But I'm going to tell you, I purposely created this moment with our team because I want to give you the chance On a practical level. To do something that has spiritual significance. To say God. It's not about me. It's about you. If there was ever a day. In the entire year. For it not to be about me. It's Christmas. Somebody say amen.